Family, it is so good to be able to bring the word to you, to, to wrestle through the word together. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I do not have this figured out. All right, I'm working through this. I've been working through this um, with myself and the Lord and just having these conversations, right? But now I'm presenting a passage of scripture to you that we can work through together and figure out this journey of faith together. It's not meant to be done alone. So we thank Jesus. We praise Jesus that he went on the journey, right, ahead of us, accomplished everything that the Father would want us to accomplish. He did it for us. And then he says, now walk in step with me. Step the way I step. Walk the way I walked. Think the way I think. And then he gave us his spirit to guide us. It's just, it's amazing. And so with that, with that mindset, we're jumping into Matthew chapter 4 this evening, and we're looking at the temptation of Jesus, right? Jesus living by the Spirit. Paul picks up this, this message actually in Galatians, and I think he gets it because he saw the principle that Jesus lived by. And so in Galatians chapter 5, he says, So then, walk in the Spirit, or walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh or the desires of the sinful nature. And so with that, we're going to see that this is a principle by which Jesus lived and exemplified. And then he gave us the freedom to do the same. So join me in Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. So I say, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's the principle we're looking at here. So we left Matthew chapter three, right? With the Trinity at work, confirming the call of Jesus. That's how Matthew three ended. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. It says in verse 16 of chapter three, at that moment, heaven was opened and we saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. 
with that, that then we come into chapter four and we see Jesus immediately being led into battle, into the spiritual battle. And even just, just the hum, humility of it all for, for God to allow Satan to speak as he would speak to the Son of God. Is the mission going to succeed? Is the triune God a unified front? Will Jesus accomplish his calling? These are some of the questions at stake. These are some of the questions that are being put to the test. Here in uh, verse 1, it says again, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Here's what we understand. Jesus has no sin nature, right? Jesus having his identity in God, Jesus having just been confirmed and affirmed at his baptism in front of heaven and earth and angels and demon and, and people is now walking down the path which Adam walked in the Garden of Eden to be confronted by Satan, tempted by the deceiver to give up his birthright, his inheritance. But unlike Adam, back in Genesis, Jesus will prove that he is greater than Adam, that he is the better representative, that he is the redeemer who is going to purchase back what has been stolen by the kingdom of darkness and the deceiver, Satan. You can read that in 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 45. You can read that in Romans chapter 5. It's just, it's beautiful. All right. So verse 2 says this, After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him. Satan and his system wait for opportune times of weakness to strike hard and fast. We've got to realize that. He wastes no time to find a moment of weakness. Other places in the scripture says, do not give Satan just a foothold into your life because he will attack. And so when you're tired physically and emotionally, right? When you're sick, when you're spiritually drained, even after a victory in your life and your guard is down, he has no sympathy or compassion and desires to destroy you and me or desires to destroy God. He's always on the prowl, looking for whom he can devour. So this is where Satan begins. 40 days later, when Jesus is tired and hungry, the tempter came to him and then he says, if you are the son of God, if, he is deliberately striking at Jesus's identity. Satan knows who Jesus is. And he comes in with this, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. See, Satan knows this principle, this discipline of fasting and praying. He knows that the fasting and praying is discipline that forces us to push past the physical, right? into the spiritual and look to God to sustain us, to look to God to refresh us, to look at God for strength. But he wants Jesus to turn from that focus of looking at God for strength 
and to look inwardly at his own cravings. He wants Jesus to look out and look at the lust or the desires of the flesh, First John says in, in chapter 2, verse 15. Satan's first temptation, it, it, it seems small, right? It seems simple, but he is trying to refocus Jesus's attention from a spiritual discipline to immediate physical needs. He wants Jesus to exchange the eternal for the temporal. Just look at this now, immediate gratification. It's the same tactic he used in the Garden of Eden when they saw that the fruit was pleasing to the eye and they ate. Rather than holding true to God's word and unto God's uh, strength, and they submitted to the lie. You're hungry and tired? Don't rely on God's strength and power. Use what he's given you. Take charge. Take care of yourself. He's reminding Jesus of his omnipotence. Hey, Jesus, you're omnipotent. You're all-powerful, Jesus. So why don't you just speak to these stones now and just turn them into loaves of bread? But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Amazing. The strength that would come on because he didn't refocus. He didn't readjust. No, I'm focused on your strength. God, I'm focusing on you to sustain me. And he's able to counteract what Satan brings before him. Would feeding himself be wrong? No. Would caring for himself be wrong? No, but the timing and purpose of where he was in his mission made it wrong. It was not time for Jesus to take matters into his own hands. He was being led by the Spirit, and he had a battle to overcome. Time and purpose. We've got to discern through the timing and purpose. Verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He tempted Jesus physically. Jesus didn't fall for it. He tempted Jesus to use his power. Jesus doesn't fall for it. So in this moment, I, I, I read as this, it's almost as if Satan is like rubbing it in Jesus's face that he's using his own power to, to basically teleport them to this part of the city, almost adding a slight sting to the temptation. The location here is extremely intriguing to me. The temple, he brings, he brings him to the holy city and makes him stand or had him stand on the highest point of the temple. See, the temple is where people would meet God. And here Satan brings the Son of God to the place where they would come to meet God, almost placing Jesus on display himself. What he doesn't know is that Jesus would be doing a new thing because the, the temple is no longer going to be a place for people to meet God. So Satan is tempting Jesus to keep the status quo, put his power on display once again here at the temple but through Jesus, God has now come to people 
and will take residence within humanity, making us living temples. So there's no need to keep the status quo because Jesus is doing a new thing and Satan knows he's going to do a new thing. He's like, Jesus, do you really want to change what's going on? Don't rattle cages. We've got tradition and history. Let people come to the temple to see you. And Jesus say, no, I am doing a new thing. And, and the Holy Spirit is going to reside in living temples. But he's trying to push Jesus off track. Satan is attempting to throw Jesus to off track and attempting to make Jesus rethink the mission. Verse 6, he says, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Again, timing is everything. Is the scripture Satan used true? Well, yes. Are the things written in Psalm 91, he's quoting Psalm 91 here, are, are the things written in Psalm 91 true? Yes. But there is a purpose and a time to the plan God has and the mission that we are all given. Satan tempts Jesus not only to question the protection God has over him, but he wants to place Jesus in a position of questioning God's character and his words, the Father's care and love. He is testing Jesus's authority, making him want to boast in himself rather than the glory of the Father. Once again, Satan is bringing and whispering in Jesus' ear, did God really say? It's the same tactic out of Genesis when he tempted Adam and Eve. But again, Jesus is the greater Adam, the greater representative, the one who will redeem. So how does Jesus answer? Jesus answered him and said, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. This right here for me, this is the game changer. This is the game changer because Jesus masterfully and beautifully not only quotes scripture, but he strategically quotes Deuteronomy chapter six. Deuteronomy chapter six is called the great Shema. All right. And this Old Testament passage, and I quote, functions as both a Jewish pledge of allegiance to God and a hymn of praise. The Shema means to listen, but in Hebrew, literally uh, listening and doing are basically the same thing. Let that sink in. Listening and doing are basically the same thing. So Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do not put God in a position of having to prove himself to us, especially if we are going to be reckless and manipulate his words for our own benefit. Romans tells us not to abuse grace. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? May it never be. The word meganoita, heaven forbid. In these last few verses, Satan is going to test the sovereignty of God and tempt Jesus with the lust of the eyes, right? He wants to fill Jesus' heart with glory and the eyes really are the gateway to pride. 
Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Interestingly enough, in this moment, Satan doesn't use the same line, right? He doesn't open up with, if you are the son of God. Nah, Satan's past that. He's, he's trying to move to a new technique. No, Satan actually uses his own rule and reign, his own power and influence to try to manipulate Jesus. He's basically telling Jesus, I can make you like God. That's a scary thought. Satan is telling Jesus, I literally can give you everything you came for, the kingdoms of this world and all that comes with the power without you ever having to redeem humanity. He is tempting Jesus with a way out of his purpose and mission. And there would be no need for Jesus to sacrifice his comfort, his privilege, or his position to gain the opportunity to be king in this moment. What's crazy is that Jesus doesn't even argue the point of Satan's reign or power. Jesus doesn't even say, this isn't your world. Jesus doesn't even say, I am God. No. In this moment, Jesus says, not today, Satan. Not today. Away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Amen? Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus allowed the spirit and his word to combat deception and manipulated truth. Even mere truth. So many people in this world, they can use scripture to manipulate whatever they want uh, uh, to say or do or to move you. If we are not in the word, filtering the word, allowing the spirit to guide us in the word, we can be led astray. We can move, they, they can use it to just move our focus even slightly, even one degree, and even that would change your trajectory forever. Even that can change your impact and your influence where you live, work, and play. We have to be in God's word on a daily basis, at the very least. It should be God's word that we seek when at the first moment of daylight. It should be God's word that we seek at the end of daylight before we hit the bed. We have to be in God's word. With that, living in this age of information, truth, foundational truth, not emotions, not zeal, those things are not what brings victory, but the power of the Holy Spirit and God's word is what brings victory in our lives. Honor to the Father. An active participation of faith is necessary to combat the anti-God rebellion in all of us. There's no way around it. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Heaven knows I know that. Jesus, who is God, who has no sin nature, no desire to do anything but God's will for God's glory, was led by the spirit and used scripture to battle the kingdom of darkness and deception. 
how in the world could we do anything different then? When the Son of God submitted to the leading of the Spirit and used God's Word to combat darkness and sin and the effects of sin, the temptation, right? The, the, the sea, the temptation, before it's even full blown into sin and death, the temptation. If Jesus did that, how in the world can we use anything else but the tools that very God gave us? His spirit, his word, his example. There's nothing else. At the name of Jesus, every one, every knee will bow, which which means when Jesus means business, all, all will obey. Satan had no choice to leave, but to leave no matter how powerful he seemed. Using his tricks, teleporting him and Jesus around, showing them the, the, the kingdoms of the world. Actually, in, in staff meeting, we were uh, going through this passage a few weeks ago and, and somebody said, you know, I wonder, if, I wonder if the highest point of mountain would have been like, on the moon and just showed them the universe and earth and all of its splendor, right? I don't know. Either way, Satan's got some power to be able to move around. And Jesus used the power of the Holy Spirit and his word to combat Satan himself. That's what we have to tap into for strength and to fight the temptation and the sin and the anti-rebelliousness within us. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, no matter what comes against us. And once again, God proved himself true and worthy. The devil left him, and angels came and attended him, Jesus. The angels attended, that means they ministered, that means they served him. So Jesus would have been fed, Jesus would have been rejuvenated, Jesus would have uh, realized once again God's love and protection, it would have been made evidence. Jesus knew that he could take God at his word, which meant that the kingdom he would preach is a kingdom worth dying for. There's going to be victory. He would go on to conquer sin and death. He had an assured victory, which means that we have an assured foundation, but it takes an active participation of faith. It takes an active participation of of faith. Walk by the Spirit, and you and I will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I want to read Romans uh, chapter 5. Starting in verse 8, Paul says this, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. 
And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead would also give life to your mortal bodies. Amen. Because of his spirit who lives in you. So once again, walk in the spirit. Walk by the spirit, really by the renewing of our minds. And we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. An active participation of faith is necessary to combat the anti-God rebellion in us. So how's a few ways, what's a few things that we can do to combat that rebellion? Honestly, what's your community group involvement look like? If you're doing it by yourself, you're going to falter. If you're not in God's word, you're going to fail. You need people, we need each other. I cannot wait to be back together under one roof or one sky, whatever it is, but I cannot wait to be back together as a family. And then the smaller families, right, as, as we meet at community groups. But what does your engagement look like? Meeting continually, texting each other, checking in. Secondly, I would honestly just say, just would you join us in serving the community through simple ways like the grocery giveaways? Just come out here, pray with people, see how it's set up, unload the truck, put one box in a trunk, say, hey, whatever it is, but allow others to see that we are here for them. Grocery giveaway, it's great. Three, I would say it's something we've just been going, it's just a great tool, the Read Scripture app. It just gets you into the discipline of being in God's Word. Really, that's all it is. But it's neat. It's got some great videos. It's got some great content. And it's just building the discipline of being in God's Word. That's all it's doing. Real simple. The Read Scripture app. And fourth, it's a little more intimate, but it's who are we helping in their process or in their walk as they move one step closer to Christ in their journey of faith? Whether they know God or not, but are you helping someone in that journey? It's huge. Active participation. Why? Because a stagnant faith is a dead faith. A stagnant faith is a dead faith. If we are not wrestling with how our faith fits into the daily context of life, then we're not living any differently than the world. Because walking in the Spirit is actively contrary to any normalcy of this present life. There's so much more. Walk by the Spirit, and you and I will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And when we do, His mercy is ever abounding. His grace is sure, and He is still faithful because He loves you. And that's just amazing. Undeserving, and He still loves us. And he walked that journey first and foremost so that he can be an example to us of what to do next. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, Father, that you're about your name and your glory. Because of that, Holy Spirit, you said you're going to reside in temples made of flesh. It's just amazing. That the gospel is about humility and sacrifice, not comfort and privilege. And Jesus, you've exemplified everything and more. And you've called us to an excellent life 
to excellent living to a better way, a life of abundance. Thank you, Jesus. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.